you have your Bibles this morning, I pray you do, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It is very good to be back with you after a two-week hiatus. What a blessing it was last week to be in the pew. A blessing the week before that to be in vacation and worshiping with another church faith family. But I will tell you there is no greater blessing than to be here with you, my faith family, this morning. And preaching the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We are walking through this book, this letter, and I've entitled this series called Dear Church. It is a letter the Apostle Paul has written to the church of Corinth, a church that was very, how shall we say, dysfunctional. Lots of problems, lots of issues. And so he writes to them and he lovingly rebukes them, corrects them, begins to offer them advice. And so the hope for, for me and for us is that as we walk through 1 Corinthians, we are learning how to function as a biblical church. We're, we're seeing the problems and we're seeing the things that Paul deals with and, and the things of our own day. And as we're walking through this, we're learning God's blueprint for a church. And so in chapters 1 through 6, if you remember, God confronted, or Paul confronted, um, the problems that he was informed about, the ones that he, that he heard that were rumored and told to him by Chloe's people. But in chapter 7, if you remember, he begins to answer questions to problems that he was asked about. And so there's a beauty here, and Brother Trey and I have been talking about this, from, from chapter 7 all the way to the end, there's a beauty here of where there's this vulnerability within the church to ask their, their, their brother in Christ for help to, for them to ask Paul to examine them. And you'll see that here in this, in this text. And so this is the church working together. Now, in chapter seven, we are, we have been dealing with the questions concerning sex, marriage, and singleness. And so we have walked through this, uh, the theme of the chapter, which has been to walk in your assignment. And we see that at the very center of this, that Paul was saying in verses 17 and 24, that they are to remain in the conditions in which they were saved. We'll, we'll look at that a little more in a minute. But verse 24 kind of is the, the big theme here. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. And so the idea here is, is that God saved you in the condition, whether you were single or you're married. Whether you're married to a believer or you're married to an unbeliever. And you are to walk in that condition, not, not, having, not thinking you have to change in order to experience joy and spiritual growth. And so, so married people need not divorce. They need to stay married. Single people can get married or not get married, as you'll see in a moment. But they, either way, they are able to walk with joy and to bring honor and glory to Him. And so we've looked at the walking in your assignment in marriage, to walk your path. We've looked at marriage. And so this morning we're going to dive into the area of singleness, of what Paul has to say to those in the church body that were single, that were unmarried. And this could be widows or widowers. This could be divorced. Or this could be those who have yet to marry. And so there are three things that I want you to see. I want you to see the Corinthians' plight, their, their struggle. I want you to see God's gift. And then we want to look at Paul's guidance for this. And so let's begin, if you will. I want to look at two verses, verse 6 and 7, and then we'll jump to the main thing, verse 24. Chapter 7, verse 6 and 7, he says, But this I say by way of concession, not of command, yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. 
However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Now look at verse 24. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think then that this is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life. And I am trying to spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened. So that from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. And those who weep as... (coughs) Excuse me. As those who weep as they did not weep. And those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. And those who buy as those who did not possess. And those who use who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord. But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world and how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. But if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomely toward his virgin daughter, if she has passed her youth, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes. If he does not sin, let her marry. But if he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will and has decided this in his own heart to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. So then, both he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage will do better. A wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I also have the spirit of God. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. Notice first the Corinthians plight or the Corinthians struggle. In our own culture today, there has been very um, much talk about diversity within the church. We're we're seeing a lot of talk about this issue of diversity and things. And however, though, the, the conversation is normally held around the issue of diversity of one's skin color. That, that, that there needs to be more diversity within the church as far as the, 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 the color of our skin. Totally agree with that. You know, certainly in heaven, we're all going to be gathered together, uh, you know. And so I think here on earth, that's great, wonderful. Pray for that for our own church as well. But what about the other areas of diversity? Diversity is not just in the area of, of the color of your skin. There, matter of fact, here within this very room, in this, in this very congregation this morning, many of you are living in different conditions. And that's something that we've, that we've talked about in this chapter, is it not? That, that we've been saved, and we've been saved with certain conditions, and so we're walking through this. And so, so within the church, we must not overlook the other areas of diversity that, that we have. For example, within this very body, there are those who are young and, and there are those who are not so young. There are those who are male and there are those who are female. There are those who have a little bit and those who may have more than a little bit, right? 
And then there are those who are married. And then there are those who are not married. And even in that, there are different stories to be told and different ways in which that is. And so here we find that we must not overlook the diversity that, that is already in the body and not, and not fight for unity within this diversity. And so here Paul is seeking to help this church in the conditions in which they are in. And so as one seminary professor summed up this chapter, and you may remember this from a couple of weeks, he said that, that marriage and singleness is like flies on a screen door. There are some who are wanting out and there are some who are wanting in. Now again, very tacky illustration, but I didn't come up with it. But I do think it sums up the problem there at Corinth. There were those who were married and they were looking at those who were single and they were thinking, man, if I was single, I could serve the Lord better. Now, we dealt with that a few weeks ago in the issue of marriage. But now we're looking at those who were single and we're, and we're looking at those who were married and going, well, if I was still married. If my, if my spouse had not died or, or if it did not end in divorce or those who have yet to be married, if I just found the right person and I marry, then I could serve the Lord better and life would be more, would be more joyful. I, I would feel more a part of, of the church if I was married. Because what happens is, probably in Paul's day like it is our day, we take the singles, we put the singles over there, and we take the married, we put them over here, Right? We do a singles ministry, we do a couples ministry, and everybody's diverse. There's not, they're not living together, they're, they're not walking the Christian walk together. And so this is the process, this is the thought process of those who were single in Paul's day. That if I could somehow change my circumstances, if I could somehow find my identity in marriage, that if I could find that person, or if I was still married then I would be more part of the church and I could serve God better. And I would assume that these thoughts occur today. The spouse who is... If my spouse was still living, the widow, the widow or the widower, the one who has been divorced, whether it be their sin or the sin of their spouse, if things would have went differently than... Maybe, maybe I wouldn't be, wouldn't feel the way I do when I come to church. There's almost, with those who go through divorce, there's almost this issue of leprosy. This, this, as though they have to sometimes say unclean, unclean. And then you have those who have not found the right person and and are fearful. They may never find that person. They may, may end up never being married. And they live in this fear. They live in the turmoil of that, that it causes them. Not to mention the other struggles that singles may fight in our day, such as sexual temptation. We've already seen there in verse 9 that the Apostle Paul said that it is good for those who are married because in their marriage they can help one another in the fight against sexual temptation. And so those who are single do not have such, such gift as the married have there. And so our culture is no different than their culture today where they had the temple of Aphrodite and as people were walking by, there were the prostitutes who were trying to draw them into the temple where you and I, you can't even turn on your iPhone today or get on Facebook today and there's not something trying to draw you in to sexual immorality, right? 
And so the, the, one who is, the one who is single may struggle with that. There is, there's the temptation of loneliness. We even see there where God himself looks at Adam and he said, Adam, it is not good for you to be alone. Now there's a little more to that because Adam was going to be the federal head and the, there was going to be procreation. But, but even there looking at Adam and Adam looking out across all of the creation and how everything was partnered together. But Adam did not have that partner and God himself says it is not good. And then there in 1 Timothy 5. You know, we, we see this, we saw this in our men's uh, Bible studies past week, where the widow or the widower may have financial troubles, especially the widows in Paul's day. But even today, when we lose a spouse, there may be financial troubles. In First Timothy 5, we also saw that for the young widows, that they found themselves in mischief. They, they became idle and they, and they began to become gossipers and began to cause problems within the church. There are a whole host of struggles that, that come. And again, this is no different than marriage. We saw this a couple of weeks ago, that with marriage, there are difficulties and struggles. And the same goes for those who are unmarried. But if you think, beloved, that marriage will fix your problem, you're wrong. For us, as many times we want to look at the, we think the solution to our lack of joy, we think the solution to our, to our struggle is if I would just have that person, then, then there, everything else would be okay. Well, beloved, whether it's a person who, who you're a widow or you're divorced or something, hear me, that is not the answer. But, but we need to speak to this issue. And I need to speak to the church this morning on this. Because this was a church that had all these different con- conditions and they were going through. And Paul is speaking to them. And so let me just speak to the church this morning for just a second and say this. That FBC, that you and I must not forget the conditions that those who are unmarried walk in. I know we like to think only in and of ourselves, and I understand that, but we are called to be covenant together. And so when you join our church, when you walk down and, 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 and you, you, you profess profession of Christ, or you're baptized, or you join by letter, you, you're coveting with our church, and you're making this covenant. We're walking together. We're committed to one another. We're committed to those who are married and unmarried. And so we must not forget the widow or the widower. You see, many times in the church, those who ex- we tend to forget that they had that one flesh re- reunion, and now that's been taken from them. And so many times the church serves very well in the early days, but in the latter days, we tend to forget about that. We're very good at, the, at bringing the casseroles there in the early days, aren't we? We're very good at making the phone calls in the early days. But as the year begins to roll on and the years turn into more years, we, we tend to maybe forget about those And beloved, we as a church must not forget, but we must serve and care and encourage those who are walking in these conditions. Just as we said two weeks ago that those who are single and unmarried must also serve and care and walk with those who are married, even those who are married and struggling in certain things. And so for the widow or widower, we as a church must understand where they are and love them and care for them. And encourage them in faithfulness and devotion to Christ for the rest of their life. Also, we see here that we must not ignore the unmarried, the single who has yet to find a spouse. That they may, some may desire to be married, and some of those may not desire to be married. But we can join them in prayer, whether it's prayer that God would bring them the right person. Or we as a church can begin to raise up young men and young women to be godly men and godly women so that when they're married, or that there's a greater pool for people who are married, right? This is needed in our day. There are those who are unmarried. They're wanting to be married and they're looking to the world and they know I cannot be unequally yoked. 
And they look out upon the church and they're not seeing men and women, young men and women being mentored up and brought up in the church. We're failing them as a church. We must not, we must not ignore the unmarried and instead lovingly walk with them and have fellowship with them and let them know that though they are unmarried, beloved, you're part of this body. Right? We may be married, we may have kids, we may be older, we may have grandkids. But you're part of this church. You're part of our family. And neither should the church reject those who have been divorced. Because as I said, divorce leaves this this stain of wondering, is there any hope of joy? Is there any hope of life after this? Any, Any type of fulfillment in life? And the church must show them grace, the grace of Christ that covers their brokenness. The grace that brings beauty from ashes Because here's what happens with those who are divorced. And I'm going to show you this as we look at the gift of marriage in just a moment. But here's what happens many times for those who are divorced. Is that they believe that the only way that they can atone for their sin. Or atone for the sin of their spouse or whatever. They can atone for their divorce. Is they have to go get remarried. That they can't. That living a life of singleness is not not good for them. Because we look at singleness as though it's this, this plight. This struggle. And we say, that's that's not good. And yet the church is called to show grace and mercy and to wrap their arms around those who have walked through divorce, the pain of divorce. FPC, you need to understand this morning that these are real conditions with real names of people that we know who, 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 are, who are in these conditions, who are in the sanctuary, who are walking in these things. And they must not be left alone to walk in them by themselves. May the singles, may the unmarried this morning in our church feel the very comfort that the, that the unmarried in the church of Corinth felt that they had the freedom to write to the Apostle Paul and ask him for his advice. To ask him to pray for them. To ask him, I, I, I don't know what to do. And Paul writes back and says, brother and sister, I'm here for you. But let me also say to those who are unmarried this morning, hear me. You must not walk in these conditions silently. Because nine times out of ten, what I find is, is that most people who are upset with me and Brother Trey are over things that me and Brother Trey knew nothing about. Can't say amen, say oh me. It's things that we knew nothing about. So-and-so's in the hospital. We had no idea so-and-so was in the hospital. And the same thing goes here, that those who are walking through these conditions is that we don't, we don't speak to people into the church about what we're going through and we hide it and we hold on to it. May you feel the comfort of the church of Corinth here who was in all of their dysfunction, at least had the comfort to write to Paul and ask of him his advice, ask him to walk with them through this. Paul, Paul knew because they asked for help. So you must not carry the resentment toward the church or to anyone else. But if you have not shared nor spoken of for the church. Speak up, ask for prayer, walk in these things. And again, understand that there is a diversity here this morning. We all have different circumstances and different conditions of life. That is the beauty of the church. Because they don't get it out there. 
It doesn't work out there. You, all you got to do is go to politics. And what you find is, is that, that those circumstances and those conditions out there, they, they can't find the unity of the church with all of their different conditions. But the church is able to walk with one another, where, whether rich or poor, whether black or white, whether married or unmarried, whether, whether young or old. And it's within the church that we see this beauty. And so this is what Paul is encouraging here within this chapter. But secondly, I want you to notice also here the gift of God. Notice God's gift. Look look, look here. Go go back again to verse 6. He says, But this I say by way of concession, not of command. Yet I wish that all men were even as as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. So remember, Paul's not going against Scripture. He's just saying that God has given a command to those who are married. You are to stay married. And he says there is no command to the single, to the unmarried, to, to stay married. All right, you know, there's some there's some areas there that we can discuss. We don't have time this morning, but but Paul is saying this is my this is my advice, this is my guidance. He says this, and he says I have the Holy Spirit as well at the end. And so notice here that because of the struggles that that those who were unmarried were facing, all right, they 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 saw all the badness of singleness and none of the good. But but notice what Paul is saying because this is mind blowing to me. This is where verse seven is so important. And, and really and truthfully, we're going to move on into chapter eight next week. But we could stay we could stay weeks in this chapter. But but there in verse seven, I could spend the entire day there. He says, "But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, and another has that." Now consider what Paul is saying because because this has blown my mind away. Both marriage and singleness, both marriage and unmarriage, unmarried are gifts from God. That's not how you and I think, is it? That's really not how we think, is it? We, we think in terms of, well, if one is a gift, the other is not. So we look at marriage and we say marriage is a gift. We know marriage is a gift. We see this in Scripture. So therefore, if marriage is a gift, then singleness is not. Being unmarried is the curse, it's the blight, right? Paul says No. Paul says, Paul says, no, both are gifts. And so to the married person, some those, those who are married, who are struggling with their marriage, they look at the single and they go, that's the gift. Marriage, marriage is not the gift. No, Paul says, both are gifts. How can two things that are totally opposite of one another both be gifts? You and I can't do this. Only a all-powerful, all-loving, and all-wise God can make two things that are polar opposite gifts for the individuals. Or we view this through the lens of our own struggles and experience. And let me just tell you, you need to stop doing that. It's time that you and I stop viewing truth and, and what's right and wrong through the lens of experience, as, as we see here, we have a book and a book tells us what is right and what is wrong. And so we view it through the experience. My marriage is bad. So therefore, singleness is good. Singleness is tough. Therefore, marriage is good and singles is not. And God says your experiences, your conditions do not determine what is a gift and what is a blessing that I've created for you. Both are good. Or we say, what about unwanted singleness? My spouse passed away. My marriage didn't end the way that it was supposed to end. I haven't found someone yet. 
Certainly, Brian, certainly unwanted singleness, certainly being a widow or widower, certainly being divorced is not a gift, right? There can be no gift there. God says, the inspired word of God, as Paul says, I think I also have the spirit of God. Amen? Both are gifts. Period. Both are gifts. Period. Not these are my circumstances or these are my conditions. You say, how is it a gift for the unmarried? Well, first, there are three things that I want you to see. And do for time, we'll, we'll sum up the, the, the passage scriptures. But verse 25, 28, what you need to see is, is that first, singleness provides freedom from certain, certain, certain distress or certain crises that go through. Notice what he said. He says, now concerning virgins, I have no command uh, of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think then that it is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. So, so marriage has its struggles, right? That, but that's not what Paul's talking about. He's not saying don't get married because, you know, the ball and chain or, or you know, you'll, you'll never have fun again. We talked about that. That's the way the world views. That's not it. Paul's not saying don't get married because marriage is hard. He says the present distress. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, distress can mean the present calamity or the present crisis. He's referencing a great struggle that has taken place on the church and is now creating this extra trouble and this extra distress upon those who are married. Now, many scholars have have debated this. There are some who believe that Paul is just talking about in the end of time, that, that we're now in the last days, that when Christ ascended, we've entered into the end days. If you didn't know that, you need to know that. That Christ has ascended, and so we've entered into the end days, and we're waiting till he comes back. We're in the latter times. And so Paul was saying that it's going to have these moments where, pers- where, where things are going to be harder on individuals, and we see that. Or some scholars say, well, there was persecution was rising up. Nero was all out war on the church, and so this was creating extra problems for the marriage. So imagine, the husband... As his wife, as his wife is taken and she's killed, or the children are taken and they're, and they're, and they're being killed or whatever. The distress that that places upon the husband and his faith, or the wife and her faith, if it's vice versa. That if you, you denounce Christ, you renounce Christ, we'll let your children live. And so Paul is saying for those who are going through persecution, that those who are married are not going to be free from great distress upon their life. But those who are single, He says, what you will find is, is that God has provided a great freedom from certain pains and difficulties that is unavoidable when you covenant yourself with another individual. Now, certainly there is a trade-off that there are, there are the pros and the cons of both. But this freedom would remove the worry on that individual's life, allowing them a greater opportunity and a greater motivation for them to be faithful unto the Lord until death. That they would be able to do as Luke chapter 9 tells us in verse 57 through 62. Where Jesus has all these people who are coming. And they're going, we want to follow you. And he says, look brother, the foxes have holes. He said, he says, the birds have nests. But he said, I ain't got a place to lay my head. You're going to have to deal with some hardship. And they go, brother, we're out of it. 
They come to him, they say, we want to follow you. And they, he says, but, but, but my, my dad is sick and dying, i got to go back. He says, no. He says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to give me everything. And so what we see here is, as Paul was saying to the unmarried, you have been given a freedom that has removed obligations of hardship, removed certain experiences that would hinder your commitment to Christ, and you are free to put your hand to the plow and to plow on in devotion to Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. If we can glean anything from these, from these scriptures. It is that those who are unmarried. Have been given a freedom to be devoted in ways that those of us who are married. And those of us who have children are not able to. And so Paul is saying you can put your hand to the plow, brother and sister. You can put your hand to the plow and you can, you, you, you can be free. So, so when a great crisis happens to the church and the church is struggling, those who are married are struggling, who do we look to? Who can we find that can jump in and begin to minister in ways that others are not able to do? When there's something in the community and a great crisis is gone, you, you're able to jump in in ways and minister in ways that maybe others cannot. But Paul also says next to the next, he says, singleness provides time to serve God and the church. Look at verse 29. He says, but this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened so that from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. And those who weep as though they did not weep. And those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. And those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it for the form of this world is passing away. In other words, what he is saying here is, is that you have have been given a freedom in time since the end is drawing near paul said it's coming to an end christians do not have the time for idleness now married folks you can hear me on this too okay because he deals with that is this married or unmarried and please know that paul's not saying where he says those who have wives those who have husbands need to act like they don't have any i'm not telling you to go home and not you know buy a birthday present for your wife or whatever all right that's not what apostle paul's saying He's not saying go home and ignore your spouse. What he is saying, though, is that you and your spouse need to quit being so idle and focused on yourselves and focus on the ministry at hand. Parents, with your children, there are things that, in all honesty, are not eternal things and you care more about than the eternal things, right? Can't say amen, oh me, right? We become idle. We forgot that when Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, he left us with a great commission. And so what happens is, is that we are living in the end times and life is getting short. And you and I have become idle with this world. We're rejoicing in that we, we take too much time rejoicing. We take too much time weeping. We take too much time focused on one another. And there's a mission at hand here. And he says to the single person, he says to the unmarried, he says that you have been given a freedom Because you are set free from obligations that take away your time. I told my wife this yesterday. This may get me in trouble. But when you marry, you marry into one another's family. And so what I have found is, is that my family and my family in-law, both sides, all have expectations and obligations. Especially when you have grand. Really, most people could care less about me. But when I had kids, they loved me. They love the kids. 
And, and so what are the, so, so, so when something's coming up, we need, we, we got this event we need you to go to, and we got this event we need you to go to, and we got this we need to do. There's obligations that you've got to go be in, and all of a sudden your calendar is full with obligation, 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 and you look at it and you go, where is the time to do anything, right? And nine times out of ten, it's time for yourself. He says here that singleness provides the gift of fewer things to obligate your time. And so therefore, since, there are, since therefore these obligations are not there for you, you've got time to do, to be about the mission of the church. Yet, here's what happens with those who are unmarried. The culture says you've got time to focus on yourself. You've got time to drink more. To eat more, to exercise more, to read more, and to study more, to be merry more. You've got more time to be about your job and making more money and, and climbing that ladder of success. You've got all the time to focus on you, you, and you. And Paul does not even entertain that. He says, for the believer, for the Christian who is unmarried, he says, you have been given the gift of time. To, to wisely serve and minister in ways that those who are full of obligations are not able to serve. In Ephesians 5.15, he says, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of, of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You see Paul's point? The unmarried have an opportunity to serve and minister in ways that others are not able to serve. God has, has us all to be on mission. And singleness brings about it a gift to be on mission in ways that those of us who are married cannot. Again, to put the hand to the plow and plow longer than others. A.W. Tozer said this, when you kill time, you must remember that it will not be resurrected. I say it again, when you kill time, you must remember that it will not be resurrected. When you lose it, you lose it. And there's no going back. And so hear me this morning to those who are unmarried. God has given you a precious gift. You say, but but Brother Brian, I'm older. God has given you a precious gift. But Brother Brian, I'm younger. God has given you a precious gift. To be about the mission. And there are places to serve, beloved. There are places to serve. And let me just say this. What is the number one response that the leadership of a church or a church hears when they're asking people to volunteer and do things? Say it with me. I don't have. Say it again. We'll do it better this time. I don't have time. And God has given our church, whether it's the widow, the widow or the widower, the one who has been divorced, or the one who is unmarried. He has placed men and women inside the body of Christ. And I think of, I just think of these, these ladies, these men in our own church. I, I, I could put names on these people who, who serve, who come up to the church and do, who do, who file paperwork or whatever. Who come up to the church and, 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 and help. Who call, who call, who call and say, Brother Ryan, can you bring your kids by? And you and Melanie go on a date. I, 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 can, I can think of, of individuals in this church who, 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 who are a gift to me. 
And sadly, the church has looked down upon those who are unmarried. There are opportunities to serve love. You can volunteer at his hands. You can join the, the, the church's prayer warriors and not just give one hour, but you could give two hours. Yeah, have you ever thought of that? But to give hours in prayer, you can make visits to the sick and you can practice hospitality weekly as having individuals in and out of your house. You would be given the time to mentor. Again, one of the things that we're missing in the church is that we're missing younger men and women who are being mentored and prepared for marriage. And so those who are older, who those widows who are older, who have who have been married and been through that can look and say, that young girl right there, that that young guy right there. With just a little bit of work, I think he's he gonna make it. He gonna make a good husband of somebody. Now he gonna need me to do it, but but I'm, with a little bit of work, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get him ready. Right? Do you see the gift that is to the local body? Oh, beloved, you are precious not only in the sight of God this morning, but you are precious to us, the church. But notice also here the singleness provides undistracted devotion to God. Look at verse thirty-two. He says, "But I want you to be free from concern. One is." One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. Look at verse 35. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and secure. Undistracted devotion to the Lord. You see, not only do the unmarried have more time, but they have fewer distractions. Where where marriage and children breed distractions. You sit down to read your Bible, right? And what immediately what happens? The baby wakes up, amen? amen? Or the babies went to the potty and needs your help, right? Or they're fighting. Or, wives, you sit down for prayer and immediately your husband needs something, amen? amen. And nine times out of ten, he spent 15 minutes looking for it and you found it in five seconds, right? Amen. But he needs you. Softball games and baseball games and homework and all of these distractions. And by the end of the day, you sit down to spend time in prayer and focus and you realize it's 10 o'clock and you're extremely exhausted. But those who are single are freed from the undistractions, allowing them to be fully devoted to the Lord. Undistracted prayer time, undistracted Bible study, undistracted evangelism, undistracted hospitality, undistracted ministry, undistracted daily worship. Do you see the beauty of this, FBC? Singleness is not second class. It's not not junior varsity. We have this this mentality in our minds that that those of us who are married, that when we lose our spouse, that when we get to heaven, we're just going to spend eternity with our spouses and, and we're going to be devoted to them for all eternity. That's not heaven, beloved. Do you want to know what heaven really is? Do you want to know what the reality of heaven is? Marriage is the signpost. Marriage is the symbol. Marriage is the wedding ring that points to a God who gave his life for the people that he loved. That he would not send them away. That he laid his life down. That he died for them. And that that he calls them to himself. That's marriage. It pictures heaven, the church, and Christ. But do you know what singleness is? It is the reality of heaven. It is the reality of heaven. Look at verse 39 and and verse 40. A wife is bound as long as her husband lives. 
But if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is. I I, I think I also have the Spirit of God. So so that word happiness, it means the word to be blessed. In other words, your blessing doesn't matter whether you're married or whether you're single. Your blessing, beloved, is verse 24, whether each one is to remain in God in the condition which he was called. What matters is, have you been called by God? Have you been saved? Have you repented of your sins and believed upon the one who died for you? That's what matters. That's your identity. Not not singleness and certainly not marriage. What matters is, is your identity in Christ. And if you are in Christ, whether married or single, should have no effect on your life and joy and your service to the Lord. <clears throat> Remember that according to Ephesians 5, marriage is a picture of the gospel. It is a gift that points to a greater gift. Marriage reflects the love Christ has for his people. And so marriage is reflecting that grace and mercy and forgiveness in there. But when you and I get to heaven, beloved, you need to know something. There will be no need for the picture. You will be singularly, you will be single, sing, focused, singularly focused on Christ. And that is the reality. So if marriage portrays the gospel through by mercy and grace and that loving unity, how does singleness express the gospel? If marriage is designed to show off Christ's love and devotion to the church, then singleness was designed to show off the church's love and full devotion to Christ. You see, as marriage seems to uniquely highlight the love and devotion of Christ to his church, seen in the love and devotion between husband and wife, singleness seems to uniquely highlight the church's love and devotion to Christ. That through the single person's commitment to follow Christ, wherever he goes, especially through the suffering of refraining from marital and sexual intimacy, the commitment to Christ... The commitment to Christ that we see in a, in a young Christian man or a young Christian woman or an elderly widow or an elderly widower or, or one who has been divorced and has, has, has focused themselves on being devoted to Christ. We see the commitment that the church is called to demonstrated into their, through their life. Marriage is the signpost. Singleness is the reality. It's only a picture of those but it is a picture of complete devotion to Christ. Why? First John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us. That every one of us in here are sinful and deserving of God's wrath, deserving of God's judgment. But Christ and his son to live a life that you could not live, to die on the cross, to rise from the grave. And he calls you and I to be devoted to him. You need to understand, it's not this issue. He is calling you to be fully devoted to him. And those who are not will be judged. But he calls us to repent, to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. What does this look like? One who has the freedom. The one who puts the hand to the plow and doesn't look back and is about Christ and about the mission of the gospel. This is where we see Paul's guidance then. And Paul's guidance, beloved, what can we gain when we see the, the, from those, what can be learned here from, from those who are unmarried in this chapter? Two things. One, first, do not waste your singleness. I say to those who have lost a spouse, to those who have been divorced, and those who have yet found someone, hear me this morning. Do not waste your singleness. 
Psychologist William Marston once asked this question. He asked 300 people. He said, what do you have to live for? Nine out of ten every time said, I'm waiting for something to happen. A better job, a new house, another trip, this. They were putting more time in waiting for something to happen. Rather than living in the moment of serving the Lord, being devoted to Christ. God very well may call you to remarry. And he says that is not, for, for those who have, for, 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 for most of those, those is not a sin. He may he very well may call you to remarry. But hear me this morning. You must not waste your calling, your present calling. And so to the widows and the widowers, I say to you this morning, do not waste the gift that God has given you. Do not waste the gift on waiting for the day that you are just reunited with your spouse. But remember, you will be united with Christ as well. And when you stand before him, beloved, you want to be known. You want to be recognized. You want to be applauded for the fact that you gave your life in full devotion to Christ. That is the greater reunion. That is the thing that, that, that you want to see and that you're waiting for, that you will be see Christ. And so therefore, devote yourself today to loving God and loving His church, being part of the faith family. And then I would say to the unmarried, know that if, know that if, God, that if God found Adam a spouse when no spouse existed, that He can find you a spouse today. But in the present time of waiting, do not waste your singleness. God has gifted you. To do a work and called you to serve, serve the Lord with gladness now and be an example of devoted love to the one who first loves you. And by the way, the one who will love you better than any spouse on this earth will ever love you. And to those who have known the heartbreak of divorce. I know this may leave you feeling as though you will never know true love and true intimacy. And I know that it makes you think that the only way to atone for this is that you, you is that. Maybe, maybe remarriage is it. Maybe it is for some. And, but it feels like you can never, reach, you can never shake the shame of, of a broken marriage. This is not true. Your identity is not in your marriage. And if your identity is not in your marriage, then your identity is not in the broken marriage. It is in the heavenly one with Christ. And so your greatest devotion and your greatest love will come from your commitment to Christ, putting the hand to the plow and never forsaking him. Commit yourself to Christ. Fully devoted and fully loving him. And secondly, I say to us, FBC, we, the church, must not look down upon those who are unmarried. But we must recognize the diversity that God has put in our church and see them for the wonderful gift that they are to us and to himself. And may we be reunited, may we be reminded, married folks, of the single devotion to Christ that is portrayed in singleness. Full, undistracted devotion to Jesus. Yes, we have obligations to, our, to those that we've married. Yes, we have obligations to our families. Therefore, do not waste the time that you have been given with frivolous temporal things. But instead, live as Richard Baxter, Baxter expressed. I preached as a dying man to dying men. 
And so therefore, beloved, that we live every day as though it was our last with full devotion to Christ and to his church. What a gift we have right here at FBC. And what a gift, beloved, God has given all of us married and unmarried. Only God could do that. Only God. Let's pray.